It's Tuesday the 29th of December. Welcome to our afternoon sport deep dive. I'm Tim Gilbert and I am joined by my co-host Shane Lee. How are you Shana? Look, I'm good, mate, but what a turnaround in the cricket, mate. Lots of things happening. People are calling a, a whitewash of the series, and now India totally dominating Australia. All righty, on the way, we do have Rob Gilbert. He's going to cover so much for us today. From the NFL to the start of the A-League and the W-League. Also, Courtney Hancock, this is an extraordinary interview. Wait to hear this one because uh, she opens up. It's been a very, very tough time. She's brutally honest about how COVID-19 has affected her and her sport. Well, let's start our deep dive and look at the umpiring in the Big Bash. It has been disgraceful. It's been woeful, hasn't it? Last night, uh, a guy playing a leg glance, clearly off the bat, giving out LBW. It's happening a lot now. And it went for four. It went for four, yeah, off the middle of the bat. And um, look, it's really starting to affect the game, particularly in, in T20 cricket, where one or two wickets can really change the whole dynamic of a match. So... Yeah, there's pressures on the umpires now, and will they bring in the DRS? I probably think they will, but it will slow the game down. Yeah, Shane Warne said it could destroy careers, so uh, yeah, they've got to get it right. I I know it's a difficult job, it's a thankless task sometimes, and we want to promote young people to come up through the ranks, but you've got to be half decent at it. Yeah, that's something we really need to watch. Now, let's look at the test cricket and uh, the Australian team, because we got India out for 36 the other day, and everyone thought, oh, here we go, 4-0, Coley's going home, and then boom, Melbourne. What about Joe Burns? You wouldn't have picked him, Shane. No, and I think uh, proved correct here. Um, look, the, the guy has scored something like 136 runs his last 12 or 13 innings. Um, it's just not good enough, you know. And it's, it's the way he's getting out as well. He's sort of over over complicating things now and, and trying to move too far across to cover his off stump. He keeps nicking out and then he you know, brings LBW into play. So, look, he, he got he got um, the, the perfect scenario in the second innings of the Adelaide Test when you bowl India out for 36, they're down in the dumps. And he gets to come out and play a few shots. Everyone thinks, oh, he's, he's back playing well again. But um, clearly not. Warner looks really good. Um, I saw some really good footage of him warming up in the nets. So he looks like definitely he'll be back for next test. Um, but he's still got Harris in the bubble there as well. So and Pekoski. So, yeah, um, a bit of trouble for Joe Burns. I think he may have played his last test match. Is Travis Head good enough? Well, he, he's he's getting out in really, really weird ways as well, and um, that that's a real issue. I think Matty Wade's done enough at the top of the order to at least warrant his spot in the next test. Um, so he could, you could see Wade take Travis Head's spot, yeah. It's weird though, isn't it? Well, not weird, but it's, it, it, it doesn't show a great level of depth when you've got a former wicketkeeper playing as a, a batsman at the top of the order, is it? No, and it's a real hasn't been a really really good planning from the um, the Australian selectors. Saying that, you know, how are they supposed to know that Bacossi is going to be out with concussion, even though it's happened eight times now? So, look, um, I think after this series, the the selectors will go away and really start to plan for the future because, you know, Dave Warner's thirty two. He's had a groin injury. He could get a couple of, another injury you know, in, in the next year and decide to go off and just play IPL and make all his money doing that. So they're going to have to start playing for the future. Who's going to be opening the batting for Australia in years to come? And I, I think it just goes to show if Steve Smith doesn't get runs, Australia doesn't get runs, he's uh, he's had a bludger of a series. He has. And uh, look, so far, but look, that guy is an exceptional talent. Um, I'd never write him off. But yeah, strange dismissal, uh, moving across your stumps and getting bold clipping leg stump, so he's clearly got a few demons going on in his head as well. 
A great new initiative from Cricket Australia with uh, honouring Johnny Muller, of course, the first Indigenous player to go into the Hall of Fame. He was a member of that 1868 team to tour England. And if you go back and look through the stats, he was just extraordinary. And the man of the match at the MCG will we'll, we'll get a award in his uh, honour in his name. Yeah, what a beautiful tribute from Cricket Australia, Johnny Muller. Look, uh, on that tour, he was the first um, team to lead the Australians over there. I, I think they played about 45-odd games on tour. He took like something like 250 wickets. An amazing, amazing contribution. So, yeah, what, what a nice piece of tradition that they will be carried on now for years to come. It's extraordinary when you look at how they got there and how he got there. And, yeah, look, a nice initiative and uh, good to see him in the Hall of Fame. Now, a massive swing shift. Uh, the world of tennis we've been watching recently in the last few days. Roger Federer not going to be at the Australian Open, but the Australian Open is going ahead in February. must have been difficult for so many players, particularly those on the fringe. And there's a young Australian player who's opened up a fans only page. Now, for those uninitiated, the fans only page. Well, they they get a little bit raunchy, and that's the way that they can get a bit of income. Um, we've seen it with one of the uh, former supercar drivers, mate. Uh, Timmy, why were these things around when we were playing, mate? Um, yeah, we could have made a few extra bucks on the side. Good-looking blokes like ourselves. <laughs> we wouldn't have had food on the table. <laughs> no, we wouldn't have, mate. Literally, but uh, look, uh, whatever floats your boat, I suppose. But um, yeah, what a real shame Federer's not coming out. Um, he has been my favourite tennis player for, for many years. I share a birthday with the guy, so um, a big miss for the Australian Open there. And look, it probably could have been his last appearance down here, but we'll wait and see. All right, buddy. Coming up, Rob Gilbert, we're going to talk A-League. We're going to talk NFL, EPL. It's all on the way. It's now time to broaden the spectrum a little on afternoon sport. We're going to cover a few things off with Rob Gilbert. How are you, Rob? Good, Jimmy. How are you, man? Very good. Very good. Rob, the A-League kicks off down in Geelong, I believe. Yeah, it does. I won't use all of the uh, collective uh, sponsor names uh, to uh, describe Kedinia Park, the home of Geelong in the, the AFL. So Western United, it's their, one of their home grounds. So that was not, though, meant to be the opening match of the season. The uh, A-League had fought for a while there, given Sydney had been so clear of COVID for a long time that they were going to get a clean run at it and uh, they were going to have a doubleheader between the, the Western Sydney Wanderers women's team and the, the Melbourne victory women's team followed by the inaugural Western Derby between the Wanderers and the new team coming into the competition this year, the MacArthur Bulls, who we talked about last week. But uh, even though Gladys Berejiklian allowed crowds to continue with 50% capacity, FFA or Football Australia, as they'll soon to become known, uh, made the decision that the optics just were not right, that over Christmas people were not allowed to celebrate with their families, so they delayed the start. The game, that doubleheader, will now be on Wednesday night, and, of course, the borders were an issue uh, being closed. But, uh, yeah, any number of issues caused the delay in the uh, start to the A-League season. Yeah, yeah, it, it takes on a different sort of uh, look, doesn't it, on uh, tomorrow night. But uh, this is fascinating, isn't it? The Western Sydney Wanderers' um, new coach, and uh, look, he's only been in the job a short time, Carl, but he comes with a great resume, him and, him and his offsider, Kenny, and up against um, MacArthur, which is the new kids on the block. 
Carl Robinson, he uh, was brought to Australia by the Newcastle Jets, Laurie McKenna there. He came late in the season and pretty much reconstructed that side and, and got them into some decent form. He's a, a player with uh, immense pedigree, played 44 games for Wales, 400 games in various leagues in the UK. He uh, he um, coached in the Major League Soccer. So Carl Robinson is a, is a quality coach coming to the Wanderers after they've had some disruption in recent times. And Ante Milicic, of course, the former Matildas coach. Uh, you know, we did discuss this again in the last couple of weeks, how he had the choice of staying with the Matildas and taking them to the Olympics, should it go ahead this coming year, and uh, and then ahead to the Women's World Cup in 2023. So it's a, it's a big match for for both clubs and uh, and one that off the back of the performance of Western United last year in, the, in Melbourne, um, I, I can easily see an upset, but Timmy, I'm not predicting it. <laughs> and Shane, um, I wonder, um, as a, well, a, a boy of um, who's, who's, you know, uh, roots go down to the, the south coast of New South Wales mm. and, you know, is sort of traversed <laughs> New South Wales uh, in, in different parts of, of the state. Um, what's your interest in terms of the world game and, uh, and, and the club that you have got your eye on? I've always, I've always followed Sydney FC, um, but that's because I moved to Sydney and I'm a bit of a, you know, a New South Welshman through and through. They, they, they wear the, the, the blue. Um, I've always followed them. But I want to ask you a question because we had Paul Smith on the show yesterday and Paul Smith is the owner of the Sydney Kings and he was saying that from a scheduling perspective, they were actually almost treated like second-class citizens. Has the A-League been given that sort of same treatment as well from a scheduling perspective in terms of sport where you know, the AFL get a, and the cricket get the green light to go and play wherever they want to play? I think you would say that in the last season, the, the the actual COVID season proper, where everyone was just reacting to what was in front of them at the time, that they uh, they did feel that they got second class citizen treatment. But they've actually done quite well. They got a lot of criticism. Greg O'Rourke, the head of uh, operations at the FFA, and we've also got to remember that this is the first season where the A League has been unbundled from the FFA. So it's even though the FFA has still some management scope over the organisation of the competition, that's gradually ebbing away so it's it's really up to the clubs and their own ability to manage their local circumstances now and into the future which is going to determine um, you know what sort of treatment that they get so you, you would hope that um, given that they are local to the states that they play in that they will hopefully get uh, better treatment than they did last season with all these changes with COVID how, how do the other fixtures look Rob yeah look so it, it's a totally disrupted season opening the Brisbane Raw will host Melbourne City on uh, on Tuesday and the, the rescheduled Wanderers Bulls match that we talked about earlier will be on Wednesday night. The Central Coast Mariners Newcastle, the oldest derby in the A-League competition, the F3 derby will be on news even though it's not called the F3 uh, highway anymore or freeway as it was and then Sydney FC kick off their title defence against Wellington on January the 2nd. Melbourne victory play later that day and then uh, Perth, uh, because of the disruption this gives you a fair indication, their first match will not be till the 16th of January. It's, it's all over the place. So you're really um, looking at fixtures that are, uh, you know, one week ahead uh, at best for your planning. Now, Rob, uh, English Premier League, uh, still plenty happening. Oh, yeah, there sure is. Well, it's always a big 48 hours over Christmas and Boxing Day, but the latter looks as close as ever. Liverpool, uh, just three points adrift of their Merseyside neighbours um, who are on 32 points. So, so Liverpool had the chance to skip away a, a good game and a half clear, but uh, 
after sacking their coach and uh, appointing the uh, the coach who's renowned Sam Allardyce for for being appointed to clubs who who uh, have sacked their coach in an attempt to save them from relegation. Um, they've appointed him uh, as uh, as the head of uh, West Bromwich Albion. So they go to Anfield. They uh, they're on the brink of relegation and they they pull off uh, like the most amazing defensive effort that um, that any team has managed against Liverpool this year. They look like they're going to uh, get beat one nil and then score equaliser late in the game. Jose Mourinho would have been really really disappointed that uh, his uh, his Spurs side uh, had a chance to to get back into the top four. They've gone from equal first to to fifth on the ladder in in the past ten days. Uh, and uh, and anyone who follows the Premier League will will uh, know the term. They're being very spursy because they seem to constantly um, grasp defeat from the, the jaws of victory. And then uh, the, the the two Manchester sides doing a lot better than they were. We talked to in, in the early stages of the podcast when it first started that they were drifting uh, mid-table, but both uh, uh, find themselves in the top six now. So the Premier League is um, is. Um, as much as they, they've only, in some instances, got one or 2,000 people in in the stadiums, it's as competitive and as exciting as hey, ever. Rob, I've always found it interesting because when you look at the EPL, we always sort of, we would follow an Australian player playing over there. Have we got any Australian players playing well in the EPL at the moment? Mate, we don't actually. No, we don't, know, do we? The, yeah, no, Shane. The, the only player we had up until recently was Matty Ryan at uh, Ryan and Hove Albion, and uh, he's fallen out of favour there. They're another team that's uh, that's in a relegation battle. So uh, um, that he's been um, pretty much uh, given given notice that uh, he's the third string keeper there now, and, and that fall from grace has been pretty dramatic in the past three weeks. So, so he was the only Australian player in the Premier League this year. So it's an indication of how far um, Australian football has fallen off the, the radar in the UK um, from the days of uh, the golden generation where the likes of Harry Kuehl and Mark Viduka uh, amongst a lot of other big names were playing not only in uh, in uh, the Premier League but in the City R in the Bundesliga. The Bundesliga we still have a, a few players but um, you know that across the top flights there are the Aussies are, are, are few and far between. Yeah, let's let's stay in the northern hemisphere, Rob. And American football, Green Bay Packers. They're one of the great brands of world sport. Of course, Vince Lombardi. Very famous quotes of his. One of his best was, "Winning's not everything; it's the only thing." And everything from there. But uh, they're they're right there at the pointy end uh, over there in American footy. And the Green Bay Packers are up front and present. Yeah, they were uh, at Lambeau Field, which is uh, one of the classic American sporting stadiums. They played in the snow on Monday. It was uh, quite a sight to see that you had sparse crowd throughout the stadiums playing against the Tennessee Titans and uh, um, and Aaron Rodgers, just uh, a, an amazing quarterback. You know, not not far off the stature that Tom Brady's held in. Uh, so that was the penultimate round. So uh, as a, a Steelers fan, Timmy, I'll tell you that our uh, grandfather on our mum's side was born in Pittsburgh. So I'm a Steeler fan, as I know Timothy is. So the AFC playoff standings at the, the moment, they look like this. And there may be some changes, but Kansas City Chiefs have, have clinched the AFC division title. The Steelers, the Buffalo Bills, the Tennessee Titans, uh, they are guaranteed a spot. Miami Dolphins, Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns, they're, they're mixing it up for the, those last few wildcard positions. And then in the NFC, the Packers, as we talked about, they, they beat the Titans uh, comfortably. The New Orleans Saints are uh, a real chance. The Seattle 
Seattle Seahawks, they constantly there or thereabouts. The Washington football team, as the team that used to be known as the Redskins are now known as, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think that's probably the big story of the year where Tom Brady moves over from the Patriots at the end of the last season. Uh, and for a while there, they looked like they were not going to be competitive, but they've had a 10-5 and five season so far and they've clinched a playoff berth under t- uh, Tom Brady. So that's just an amazing story. The 43-year-old quarterback, he had the game one at halftime over the weekend and, uh, and and just sat on the bench for the second half. The uh, LA Rams and Chicago Bears make up the numbers there. So uh, if you're w- once uh, a year um, sort of uh, attention span towards American football is uh, is uh, uh, coming into a season, then um, it, it's going to be a really good finish to, to the end of this season. Very competitive season, probably the most competitive in recent times. Hey, Rob, if, if you are a Steelers fan and Timmy's a Steelers fan with the other heritage there, how do, how do you make your chicken wings? What's your recipes? Ah, okay. Well, uh, it's interesting. <laughs> I'll just get my chicken wings, the the drums, the small drumsticks, and the flats, and uh, yeah. and I'll barbecue them in a little olive oil and season them. And then the trick is to uh, on uh, the stove get a good knob of uh, unsalted butter, like French or Danish butter. And then once it's melted, get about a half a bottle of sriracha sauce. You know the rooster sauce, yeah, make a nice chili yeah. sauce. And then you get a nice soft blue cheese with some mayonnaise. Mix it up, and then you you Boom. dress your chicken wings with that hot sauce, and you you your, uh, your blue cheese dressing, mate, Mickey Mouse. You probably weren't expecting that, Shane, but uh, just as a as a as a post note, of course, Robert. There's only 14, 15 months difference between the two of us, and growing up, we'd be sitting there in the lounge room, and I'd be there with Vegemite on toast, and then he would be coming in with salmon he'd, that he'd prepared with a with with, with this beautiful creme fraiche, and he'd even bring a flower out. So yeah, it's not hard to tell who's the better chef. I was always generous and shared with him. Um, I would never just pick out on my own, like any good brother would do, eh, Shane? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, it, it I'm sure you believe that. Yes. <laughs> Time to go to confession, Rob. We'll talk to you next week on Afternoon Sport. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Timmy. Thanks, Shane. Coming up, Iron Woman champion Courtney Hancock reveals what a tough time COVID-19 has presented for her. Well, there's very little our next guest has not achieved in her 15-year career as an Iron Woman, three-time Coolangatta Gold winner, the Triple Crown, Nutrigrain Iron Woman. Courtney Hancock, how are you? I'm great. Look, I'm feeling a little bit full uh, a couple of days after Christmas, as I'm sure we all are, but um, great other than that. <laughs> Courtney, you must be in training at the moment. Normally, that would mean you'd be on a restricted diet. Do you have to stop yourself from going back for seconds on Christmas Day? It's um well I think we're a little bit luckier than what it used to be. I remember um a couple of years we raced on the first on New Year's Day and I remember that was always kind of you had to look at, you know, how much dessert plates you were taking. But um now it's just you just gotta cop it the day after Boxing Day. Um I just hope you don't sink in the ocean. So we've had a couple of weeks actually um to get ready for Nutrigrain. So hopefully those couple of weeks, the pudding and all the ice cream and all oh, Rocky Road was actually for me the big one this year. And still leftovers, which is probably not good, but other than that, I should be okay. Yeah, it's hard to not finish the Rocky Road with my joint. There's very few leftovers. All right, let's start talking sport COVID-19 because it's all been a bit jumbled up, hasn't it, like, like most sports? Yeah, it's actually um, interesting we're talking about this today because I actually probably had my, I'll like be super honest, my first morning this morning of waking up and feeling really down about it all. I've always been a super positive person, but I have to be honest and I think, you know, probably coming down off Christmas and, and our um, our one and two rounds of Nutrigrain got um, obviously postponed, which I was really, really ready to go and, mm. and felt really good and um 
And I, I think I just reflected, I think, this morning uh, while I was swimming in the pool and, you know, our Australian titles got cancelled April this year and then it went for the cooling out of gold. And then after that, it's been a series. So it's kind of getting close to being 12 months of, of racing. And and I think I feel really jealous at the moment. I'm watching, I love AFL, I've been watching the AFL. I love the big bash and like, I love watching them. I get so excited for sport. I love all sport, but I'm really envious of all the athletes at the moment because now I've never taken for granted what I do, but certainly at the moment I'm really craving it. And um, yeah, it probably felt a bit down this morning about the year that it's been, but at the end of the day, look, I'm I'm happy, I'm healthy, I'm safe where I am. So I, I really haven't got, you know, much to complain about in saying that. Connie, what does training actually mean for you? Surely um, you guys have to do a lot more than all these other sports you've just mentioned. Yeah, throughout a week. Yeah, sometimes you think about it, you're like, I've got to, got to be really good on the ski. So that's also, you know, that's strength, that's endurance, that's surf skills. And you've got the board, same thing. Um, you've got swimming training, which you've got to be great in the pool for endurance and then also surf skills. Um, gym, uh, which I work really hard on my chin up, still trying to get there. Uh, we've also got to be really great runners, really strong runners. I think a lot of people don't realise, um, you know, running on the sand, it's super hard. Or actually, probably most of us Aussies realise that. It's, um, you know, just hard getting from the car park, you know, to the to the water's edge. Um, so we've got to be quick, you know, across that. And um, and also, you know, there's flexibility, there's a recovery and all those kind of things. So throughout the week, you know, there's not a lot of time. We sacrifice a lot not seeing our family and our friends. And I think that's probably why I woke up this morning and felt bad a little bit because this year, and especially the gold was hard. It's six months of just um, for anyone who doesn't know what that race is. You've won it three times. And those three times are all really different. It's I like to use the word journey for that because it is an emotional journey with that and it's very challenging. And And this year I'm 32 and it was the five months that I, I trained for, it was so much challenging than any other year before. And to kind of be cut five weeks pre the race, um, yeah, I was, I was devastated. Um, it, could, it could have potentially been my last one as well. So I really put a lot into it and mentally that, you know, I could go one way or the other. I think I spent 24 hours just feeling sorry for myself and, you know, being a bit down. And then I thought, you know what, uh, let's get up, let's get going and and really try and get out and win that fourth, fourth series. It's actually been 10 years since I won my first one. And I thought, geez, if I can do it as a 21-year-old, surely I can do it as a 32-year-old. So that's where I, I just refocused the goals, refocused and, um, and like we've had to do with this um, rounds one and two being cancelled, um, refocus those goals to three weeks' time. Does it seem 15 years to you when you sit back and reflect of, of the little girl in Sawtell uh, where it all began? <laughs> oh, yes and no. Sometimes my body does um, at the end of the week. That's probably where I feel like I have been doing it for a little while because I have to go, okay, I do have to recover more and I do have to train differently I can't just go flat out every single session every single set that we do I've just had to be really smart and really look after my body and it's really actually been working for me um and that's why I was so devastated I was so really ready to go I felt probably the best I have in a long long time and and that's purely because I stretched out my taper this year I tapered more I I really focused on um yeah looking after myself and just listening to my body which probably took me a couple of years to to get out of that pattern. So um, so some things it does feel long and then others I, I yeah, I'm still as motivated and um, yeah, still still loving yeah, being an iron woman. Cordy, it's nice to see that you have a mentoring program in place with your sport and your community. Um, 
That must feel good, yeah? What motivated you to set up the program in the first place? Um, it's probably something I've been wanting to do for, for so long and and it's crazy because when, when COVID hit and the Australian titles was cancelled, um, I don't know, it was weird. My mind just kind of opened up because I didn't have so many plans. I didn't have so much on. Yeah, my mind was free. My mind was clear. And I was going for a surf one day and I came back in. I just started writing. I couldn't stop writing. And I, I literally wrote a program of six months for the Coolangatta Gold for people who basically I, I did a junior one and I wrote a senior one and it took me for hours and I just did it. And I thought, and I obviously reassessed it and, and went through it and fixed it. But I thought I just wrote a program for people. And I thought, you know what, I want to put this online for everyone all over the world to be able to be a part of it because just because they can't maybe not do the race, this could actually help people mentally through COVID. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do it and see how it goes. And it actually, it wasn't to make money or anything like that. It was just, I thought if one person signs up for it, then at least I've helped one person get through this, this COVID time where exercise is so much more than just, you know, getting a six pack and and getting fit, it's it's the way that exercise is for your mind and um, which then helps your body and then that actually helps your mental health and your life and the people around you. And it actually ended up taking off and I thought, holy doing, I had so many people met, um, emailing me and, you know, what is it about? Can I do it? And, and all these kind of things. And then when I finished it, um, I had so many emails coming to me saying, how much I help people get through this time or how much I help their kids. So, um, yeah, it, it really made me feel really good and um, something that I love. I love doing. I love helping people. And if I can kind of put everything I've learned over the last seven, 17 years all in all in one and, and share, because usually um, I'm not a sharer. <laughs> I like to keep my sessions really secret. Who knows? I don't know why I do that, but I'm probably just like super competitive and, I like to kind of, you know, I have my thing. I know it works. And for the first time I was like, you know what, I actually really want to share it. I really want to share this with people. And, um, yeah, it was a fantastic experience. And, um, yeah, hopefully I can do more of it and, um, yeah, go from there. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's a great initiative. It has been a great initiative. I'm sure you'll be able to do more of it in the future. We look forward to seeing you compete. Yeah, fingers crossed for two or three weeks' time. And uh, let's chat again on Afternoon Sport. Courtney Hancock, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for your time, Courtney. Thanks so much, guys. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you goes out to our guests today, Rob Gilbert and Courtney Hancock. Thanks to our sponsors, Spartan Sport. And, of course, thank you to the man that is to podcasts what really Santa is to Christmas. Dan McHugh, (laughs) just brilliant today. See you tomorrow, Shane. See you there, mate. Jingle bells.